Well, good morning and welcome along uh, to those of you, uh, as I say, who are, who are new. Uh, welcome along. It's great to have you with us. Um, if you are new, then please do feel free to get in touch with us, uh, either uh, online or just afterwards uh, as we speak together. Uh, this morning we'll be carrying on in our series in uh, the book of Nehemiah. Uh, we'll be looking at Nehemiah uh, chapters 4 to 6 as we look at opposition from within and without. Uh, The passage will address the topic of what is called spiritual warfare. Uh, That is really the the battle that Christians are in. Uh, The Apostle Paul uh, speaks about that in his letter to the Ephesians. Um, If you have a Bible there, I'm just going to read a few verses from uh, Ephesians chapter 6, which speaks about that very thing, about spiritual warfare. So Ephesians chapter 6 And from verse 10 to 18, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Let's pray together with that in mind. Father God, we we thank you uh, for today. We thank you to meet together to worship Uh, We thank you that you are uh, great and mighty, uh, that you fight for us, and that we can uh, turn to you um, as we fight in the battle. We fight in the battle, not against flesh and blood, but against the devil's schemes. And so we pray that you would help us, Lord, this morning as we engage in in that battle to to worship you with all of our hearts as we come this morning to do that. We pray, Lord, for the reading of your word as uh, John and Caroline come up to read. Uh, We pray that you would help them to do that. And we pray for the preaching of your word, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning, that we would be transformed by your word more into the image of our Lord Jesus. These things we pray in his name. Amen. The first part of the reading this morning is taken from Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 to 23. And uh, the heading for the first section is called Opposition to the Rebuilding. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 to 23. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. 
Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, The strength of the labourers is giving out, and there is so much rubble, we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews, who lived near them, came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our work. From that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armour. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work, with half the men holding the spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, Let every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night, so that they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. We continue the reading in Nehemiah in chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. And we see that there is further opposition to the rebuilding. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Jeshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that point, 
I had not set the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Jeshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then, the fifth time, Sanbalat sent his assistant to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut in in his home. He said, Let us meet in the house of God, inside the temple, and let us close the temple doors, because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Thanks, George Caroline. Let's uh, come together in prayer together as we approach this. An old Anglican prayer. Father, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. What we are not, make us. For your son's sake. Amen. I wonder what comes to your mind when you think about the devil. Perhaps you think of misbehaving children who might be described as little devils. Or maybe you think of the idiom, the devil's in the detail. Or there's other expressions, like when people have problems and issues, they might say, well, he had his demons, didn't he? There's even a song by the popular rock band Biffy Clyro, which says, I talk to God as I talk to Satan. Because I want to hear both sides. Satan, demons, and the devil are often mentioned today, but rarely understood. 
The well-known author C.S. Lewis in his book Screwtape Letters says something like the two errors about the devil. He says that some people can give him too much power and see him everywhere. And other people don't believe in him at all and see him nowhere. The devil himself is equally pleased with both. The Bible has many names for the devil, and one of those is the enemy. And we'll look at the description of the devil as the enemy in light of today's text in Nehemiah from chapter 4 to 6. Nehemiah is written around 400 BC and was, he was a trusted cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes of Persia, which is modern day Iran. And Nehemiah returns to Jerusalem because his people, the Jews, had come back from exile in Babylon. He'd come back to find the city in ruins. And we saw last week how Nehemiah led the people in the rebuilding work as they worked side by side together. And out of their love for one another, out of their love for God, they gave radically to the rebuilding project. As we think about rebuilding the normal rhythms of church life in the coming weeks, we're also thinking of how we can best do that together. However, as we'll see, just as was the case in Nehemiah's time, we face opposition. The people of God face opposition from the surrounding nations and from within as their own people fought amongst themselves. And today, as followers of Jesus, we'll see that we can face opposition within and without as we remember the Lord and fight. And secondly, that we remember the Lord who we serve and then we can persevere in the face of opposition as we remember the Lord who gives us strength. So firstly, remember the Lord and fight. At this point in the story, the rebuilding of the wall is going gangbusters. It's going great. But not everyone is so happy with that. In Nehemiah chapter 4, it says, When Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they doing? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. Just as the zeal and the passion for the rebuilding of the wall grew, so did the hostility towards it. As it says in verse 7, 8, and 11, they plotted against them and stirred up trouble and even threatened to invade and kill them. The issue is not only are they jealous of the progress of the work, but they hated the Jewish people and actively plotted their downfall and murder. Because really their real issue was not so much their hatred of God's people, but their hatred of God himself. As we saw last week, we're we're not rebuilding a wall, uh, but rebuilding the church community, the church family post-lockdown. And there may be people in your life, in your life, that act like Sambala and Tobiah. They mock you and make fun of you simply for being a Christian and being part of a church. And perhaps the motivation it could be the same of Sambalat and Tobiah, that of jealousy. That they see you're doing well in life, that you love the Lord, 
And they just want to tear you down when all you want to do is build one another up. And so if someone insults you or has a hateful heart towards you because you follow Jesus, how should you respond to that? Well, Nehemiah really leads by example. As he says, hear us our God, for we are despised. In other words, we pray. We pray as God hears our cries. Nehemiah cries out to God, acknowledging the insults they're receiving and asks God to deal justly with their enemies. And as God's people today, we don't pray that God would destroy our enemies, but that he would have mercy on them as he's had mercy on us in Christ. And we see that the people don't just pray, but they pray and act. As he says, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. In light of the threat, Nehemiah called the Israelites to to pray and place guards at the most vulnerable areas of the wall to prevent enemies attacking them. And this, in a sense, should be our battle plan too. When we face trials and temptations, prayer should be our go-to, followed by action. If we're going through tough times, we pray to God, we ask that he would help us. And we also reach out to others that they might help us too. If we're struggling perhaps in sin and temptation, we pray that God would help us, that he would give us strength. But we also put people and safeguards in our lives to hold us accountable. Prayer is really the engine room And it should always lead to action. And yet as the Israelites prayed to God and put guards in place, they were fearful. Fearful as their laborers were running out of strength and were overwhelmed by the threats of enemies that were coming to attack them at any moment. They were paralyzed with the fear of what could happen and what might happen. Because when it comes to it, fear is the enemy of God's people. And there is nothing that the enemy, the devil, would rather you do more than be filled with fear. Fear that you would catch COVID or give it to someone that might die from it. Fear that you might not get the exam results that you so desperately need. Fear that you might not get the life partner that you so desperately want. Fear that you may not be able to keep your job at the end of the pandemic. Or just fear that nobody really cares about you anymore. So how should we respond to fear that the enemy tries to speak and instill in our hearts? As Nehemiah says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. As they remember that the Lord is great and awesome, they fight in the battle against their enemies. They fight for their families just as we fight for our families in prayer today. And as you look through chapter 4, there are constant mentions of men carrying swords as they rebuilt the wall. 
They're always men guarding the rebuilding work day or night, and they never took their clothes off, ensuring that they were always ready to fight if called upon. And we can do the same as we don't fight with swords or spears, but with the word of God and prayer. For us today, our enemy is not the surrounding nations, but as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, that we wage war against the devil's schemes and should therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Just as the men rebuilding the wall never took their clothes off in the project, we never take the armor of God off either. Because we have an enemy. And it is not flesh and blood but the devil who wages war against our souls. We fight against them through prayer and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We resist the lies he whispers to us, and we pierce them with the truth of God. We pray for God's power to overcome daily fears that grip us, and stop us from living in the joy and the freedom that Christ has given us. And we fight because God fights for his people. As Nehemiah says, our God will fight for us. So let us not be afraid because we remember the Lord who fights for us. And secondly, we remember the Lord who we serve. In chapter 5, after the opposition that the people face from without, then there's the opposition from within. As it says in the opening verse of chapter 5, Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. The problem is that the, the people, the people had neglected the management of their own houses, and the poor were being taken advantage of. As it mentions in verse 2, some wanted to, to get grain from the fields to eat because they'd been working on the wall and they couldn't do both. Others had taken out mortgages to get grain and eat as otherwise they would starve too. As clearly there, there was a famine in the land. And then others, as it mentions in verse 4, had to borrow money to pay the king's taxes because they too were struggling. Worse still, some resorted to selling their sons and daughters into slavery to fellow Jews because they could not pay their debts. And yet, in all of this, they were disobeying God's word. And they knew it. In Exodus, it says that you shall not charge interest on your loans, something that they were doing. In Leviticus, they were to treat fellow Israelites with dignity and respect, something they clearly weren't doing. And in the book of Numbers, as the promised land was to all God's people, they were not permitted to sell the land to each other. It was a free gift of God. Ultimately, the the wealthy people were taking advantage of the poor and those doing the building work. And this angered 
Nehemiah as he says, when I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. He was angry with them because they were dishonoring God, because they were not loving each other as they were supposed to. Instead, people were seeking to profit over the people who they were supposed to be caring for. They were called to love one another rather than live for themselves. Now, I was chatting to someone the other day and we were discussing stories of going into some churches where sometimes you feel like a stranger and you leave as a stranger, even after years, where people really live for themselves and don't seem to care for one another. I've certainly experienced that myself. But I must say, in the few months that I've been here at Long Crendon, I've truly experienced the warmth and the love of the church family. You see in the interactions with one another that people really do love one another, that there is a spirit of grace and love amongst the church family. Let us not become complacent, but continue to press on in that love as we serve one another, as we press on, as Jesus says, that everyone will know that we are his disciples by the way that we love one another. Nehemiah's motivation in his people's lack of love is the glory of God. As he says in verse 9, Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? The people's actions were bringing dishonor to God's name through the nations, and so Nehemiah rebuked them. He rebuked them and then led by example. As he says, The earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Nehemiah didn't abuse his power in demanding the people give more money, more taxes. Nor did he drink the best wine or eat the best food. Instead, he just kept his eye on the one thing, the rebuilding of the wall, without seeking to enrich himself by buying land. Nehemiah is an excellent example of integrity in leadership. He's focused on that one thing, the rebuilding of the wall, to the benefit of the people whom God has placed under his charge. As it says in verse 15, it is out of a reverence for God that he did not act like the previous leaders. As we saw in in 1 Peter 5 very recently, as a leader, we're, we're called not to lord over people or pursue dishonest gain, but instead be eager to serve. Instead of being self-serving like the previous governors of Jerusalem, we were to be eager to serve just as Nehemiah was. He displays that in two ways. Firstly, as he says in verse 16, he devoted himself to the work of the wall. That is to say, for us today, we are to devote ourselves to building one another up. Uh, Therefore, that practically means that we need to leave time to do that. Uh, that we wouldn't be involved in 10,000 other things, but we'd actually have the time to build one another up. We can only do that if we're present in other people's lives. And secondly, Nehemiah invited people to eat 
as he says, Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. As we open our homes in generous hospitality, we will show God's love to all as we seek to serve everyone with that same spirit of love. And we do this as we remember the Lord who we serve. And thirdly, we can persevere against opposition as we remember the Lord who gives us strength. As we come to chapter 6, Nehemiah comes up against further opposition from those without. And Nehemiah 6, verse 1 and 2, he says, When word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, and the Arab, uh, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of the enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. Come. Let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. Sambala and others were jealous of the progress, jealous of the progress of the work, and they schemed to harm Nehemiah. He knew that that was the case and therefore sent messengers to deal with their issues. And again, Nehemiah shows amazing strength and integrity throughout the opposition as four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. Isn't it the mark of true strength of godly character? When someone keeps pushing you on the same topic and you just keep giving them the same answer. Like, we don't need to pay all our taxes, do we? No, We pay the taxes due. Or you'll have another drink, won't you? Everyone else is having a drink. No, I've had enough to drink. Thank you. Won't you come out for dinner with me? Nobody has to know. No, I'm happily married. Thank you. Just as Nehemiah is tested again and again, so too we will be tested again and again. And we see Nehemiah's integrity as then the fifth time Sambalat sent his assistant with me with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter. An unsealed letter meant that everyone and anyone could read it. It's like placing a letter of accusation on social media today. They thought that if they spread the rumor that Nehemiah was planning a revolution and revolt, then possibly King Artaxerxes would recall him and the rebuilding of the wall would cease and therefore they could capture the city. But Nehemiah's response is a great one, saying, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are making it up out of your head. He stands firm in the face of opposition and counters their lies and false accusations with a strong and firm rebuke. Because there are moments when we should turn to God in prayer and there are just moments when you just have to tell people that they're talking nonsense. And Nehemiah knows that they're 
that what they're trying to do and how both he and his people should respond. They were trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Nehemiah refused to be intimidated and therefore stopped the wall from being rebuilt. Because fear is the enemy of faith. It's another reason that prayer should be the natural posture of our hearts. Our response should be to pray in faith and not respond in fear. As our Lord Jesus says, do not fear, just believe. Believe and trust in the Lord in every situation. Just as it was with the walls of Jerusalem, we see that the work had been done with the help of our God. And so Nehemiah remembered. He remembered that God had strengthened them throughout and therefore praised them for it. And yet as the wall was completed, the opposition to Nehemiah just kept coming. As you see at the end of chapter 6, there was continual hostility to him, continual infighting, people writing against him. But as it was with Nehemiah, so it is with us today. We remember the one who fights for us. We remember the one who gives us strength. We remember that the Lord is a warrior and fought for Moses and his people against Pharaoh and the armies and hurled them into the sea. We remember the Lord who fought for Joshua and his people and gave them the promised land as the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. We remember the Lord who fought for the shepherd boy David against the giant Goliath. We remember our Lord Jesus who defeated the power of sin, death, and hell on the cross as he was raised to new life on the third day. And we remember that he intercedes for us today. He intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father, having been given all authority on heaven and earth and under the earth. Because we remember that he will come again. He will come as a heavenly warrior to defeat sin, death, and Satan forever as he pours out his wrath on the wicked and brings his people to himself. And we remember and rejoice in the victory that Jesus has achieved for us as our risen, ascended king who fights for us today. And so we can turn to our Lord Jesus in prayer. We live in the power of the Spirit, in his victory, and engage in the battle through the weapons of word and prayer, bringing life, joy, and peace to our souls. But maybe that's not true of you this morning. Maybe he's not your king, and maybe he doesn't fight for you but fights against you well if that's you this morning 
won't you come to him? Will you come to him, the Lord Jesus Christ, who fights for you and has overcome sin and death for you? The alternative is to fight against him. But won't you come to be with him, to rejoice in the victory that he has bought for us? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for our Lord Jesus, the risen, ascended Lord who intercedes for us. We thank you that he has defeated the power of sin and death and Satan on the cross. And we come to you knowing that you have won that victory, that we might be able to engage in the daily battle, the daily battle through word and prayer. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to fight in that battle to continually uh, put on the armor of God and just fight uh, for what we know to be good and true and right. We pray that you would help us by the power of your spirit to do that. Father God, we thank you that you will hold us fast, that you have won the victory over sin and death, that we can rejoice in our salvation, rejoice in what you have done. And therefore, Lord, help us to engage in the battle in the light of your victory. And we praise you, Lord, for all that you are, all that you've done for us. And we pray that you would help us, Lord, in the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.